Everybody, Raylan Casper White here with another delightfully festive, amazing, awesome episode of X-Ray. I am here today with Jonathan Kesselman, uh, which I looked up, which means Kettleman. I guess his family made kettles. Admirable profession. Uh, director, writer, funnyman, and recent evacuee to Ireland. I thought he'd be an interesting, the combination of Jews, Ireland, director, industry, it all became fascinating to me. So I thought I'd bring him on the show. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, Raylan Casper. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for using my middle name with my first name. I always appreciate that. You <laughs> you made a movie that I was a fan of years ago called The Hebrew Hammer. Was that yeah. your claim to fame? Was that the thing that moved the needle for you? That was, yeah. That's the thing that I guess I'm still most known for. And when did yeah. you make that? I made that and it came out in 2003. I made it in 2002, came out in 2003. So a very long time ago. Well, did you think after that movie that your career was going to skyrocket and then you're like, oh, that's not how this works? Yep, I did. And yep, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> how long did you languish in the city of angels before you said if i don't get out of la i'm gonna slit my wrists well it but it took me about three years after i made the movie to realize that i hated la and i needed to go to new york so i went to new york when i was 30 and uh i've been in ireland now for about four and a half years my wife's irish and we met in new york and and the, and the reason why we went to ireland was uh donald trump got elected president and uh, i was like it's time to go Oh, so you would have stayed in New York if Donnie hadn't been elected? Actually, I was in L.A. I went back. To, <laughs> long story. Wow, so you were like a, yeah, so, yeah, a little gypsy. Yeah, it's a little gypsy. So, uh, yeah, so we got married. Uh, we had a boy, our son, Michael, and decided to have him in Ireland for a lot of different reasons. And I got a job about eight or three months into after he was born in Atlanta for three months. And when I got back, I had left my wife and three month old baby in the middle of nowhere, Ireland. And she was like, we're leaving Ireland. We're going to L.A. And I'm like, ah, OK, so I went to L.A. for two and a half years. OK, yeah. so your wife yeah. is from Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. Are they, uh, are they feistier than the, 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 the average person in Ireland? Yeah, they are. They are very feisty people there. It's a war torn, you know, like she grew up during the Troubles, which, I, it, you know, I joke, it sounds like a feminine hygiene issue, but it's actually a war that was, you know, between Northern Ireland and yeah. England. Yeah. And I know the yeah, Troubles yeah. and there were bombings and IRA and, 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 and the Sunday, Army Bloody and Sunday. That. Yeah, yeah. So she grew up Catholic in, in Belfast during that time. And it was not a good place. It's basically you're in a, you're in, you know, war zone. It's like being, you know, it's like being, yeah. So I think people there, especially at that time, are very hyper vigilant and very, they don't fuck around. They're very, uh, uh, yeah. They're not the laid back, let's lounge around with the sheep in the in the background having a uh, Yeah. No, that's it. That, that's, that's the, the that's part the, is the, is the, is the, is the <laughs> yes, that's the common denominator of all, all of Ireland is the, the alcoholism, which is why I love it here because it fits right into my personality. Are but you the, a drinker, uh, Jonathan, you look I like a nice drink. dorky minch. <laughs> Can't, can't, the boozer? can't those two things can't, can't those two things no, exist together no, they don't. They can't. i gotta tell well. you i have so many alcoholics in my family and i know a lot of alcoholics and and people that have tried sobriety and they're sober but i have yet to meet an alcoholic jew <laughs> you know I feel well, like maybe you guys drink during your purim or on your sabbath dinners and but what is that why is there not why are well, irish like so boozers and alcoholics but the jews are they're not that many well the thing is it's like the irish they're not out it's, it's there's a different relation to alcohol here so what you would call an alcoholic in america is just a normal person in ireland i know that sounds insane but like there's i think america has this very uh puritanical protestant you know uh, a way about work and alcohol and abstaining and there's a great um joke 
in a uh, what's his name Jack uh, comic Jack uh, I can't remember. he's an Jack English comic young guy. no Jack uh, why am I drunk like he's a, a young comic he's, oh, he's very okay. funny I don't know he's, any young comics yeah, they bore me yeah, yeah they bore me too. so he's got a joke he says but basically in the UK he's like you know he's like in, in America if you have a glass of wine someone's like oh my god you're gonna have another glass of wine you're, you're you might be an alcoholic where in England if you have a bottle of wine they say well you're you're the designated driver so it's sort of like there's a different wow. like yeah. I mean, all jokes so, aside, I think alcoholism is a real problem. I joke around. I mean, uh, you know, Aussies drink a lot and, and the Irish drink a lot. Maybe the Irish don't drink and drive as much. So there's less ramifications. They don't at all. Yeah, no. Sure like, they're, 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 disease and dropping like flies, same way as they do in America. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, like, I mean, like the, 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 they don't drink and drive. I don't know what happened in the 90s, but there's some great sort of public PR campaign where like nobody drinks and drives in Ireland. Even one drink, they will, they will not drive. Whereas in Los Angeles, as you know, people i mean they used to do it all the time i think it's less so because of uber um but no i, I you know i mean i think there's a, i think there's a difference between an alcoholic and, and a drinker like you an alcoholic is somebody you meet who cannot stop and who's drinking in the morning and like it, it really so like i think severely affects your life but i think there is a culture of you know the pub the, the public house and kind of going and meeting your friends and having pints of guinness and talking and they have this uh phrase here it's crack c-r-a-i-c not crack like crack cocaine but <laughs> crack but crack is like sort of this ethos which is like uh you know it's it's fun conversation drink listen to live music and I'm you're always that, but i i don't know i feel like maybe we're getting into semantics i feel like I, i've seen alcohol ravage people can be very high functioning alcoholics too where they don't drink in the morning and but they do they do need a drink they don't think they need a drink. they need to drink every night um, but they work. Um, but I think if it affects your behavior in a negative fashion in any way or hmm. or affects those around you, then it's a problem. But again, that's just what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I used to be a drinker. I mean, I drink a little bit. I, I tried the program. Didn't didn't work for me. I, you know, I did a little AA and Al-Anon. I did all the groups and I just kind of got depressed. I did meet some guys that I slept with in those groups, though. That turned out fun you do meet a lot of people that are ready and willing in in the aa but uh broken broken people yeah not broken just horny you know just camaraderie <laughs> just people that like living you know um like, it's really boring the next we're not drinking let's just fuck is that sort of the is that yeah, sort of the well, gist yeah, of it? like okay might as well replace it with sex addiction which is what happened to yeah. me after that and that seemed to work well for me um, fair enough but i don't know i mean i think that i don't mind drinkers except when people get stupid i don't have patience for people get stupid people get sloppy or stupid or loud or aggressive that when that I don't enjoy those behavioral changes. I can't deal with people on cocaine. I don't understand yeah, that not, drug. People are always annoying on that drug. I don't get they it. Want to talk. They just want to talk and talk at you and talk. And it's just, yeah, it's, it is kind of annoying. It never appealed to me at all, ever. If I'm taking a drug, I want it to make me see flowers and, and leprechauns. I'm, so what are your drugs of choice? You're like, what is this, ayahuasca or LSD? Like, I've like, never what's done ayahuasca because I don't like puking, and I know there's puking involved. I've shroomed a couple of times. I've taken ecstasy. Now the kids yeah. call it, I guess, Molly or MDMA. I just like to know that which neurotransmitters getting activated and what's the result. You know, you know that MDMA, <laughs> like all those kind of, you know, okay, it's going to make me happy. Um, the shrooms yeah. were weird. But for interesting, I've never taken LSD. I know that's supposed to really open you up. My friend, I had a guy on the podcast, Babak. He's an ayahuasca. He does it every other month. And it is, um, it's a very intense, and it really gets you into the depths of your subconscious. I mean, that, that shit's yeah. real. I have a friend in LA who does it like basically every week. And it's for him, it's therapy. And he's actually in a much better place than when I knew him in high school because he's, he's really sort of has opened up and 
has sort of addressed all of his demons. And there's, I, I did a podcast. I was actually producing a podcast a couple of years ago with a comic out here. We interviewed this guy, uh, Christian Ingermeyer, who's sort of like this billionaire who's at the forefront uh, um, of pushing uh, uh, psilocybin as antidepressant, anti-anxiety, antidepressant. You know, doing that a lot with ketamine too. Yeah, and you know, it's it's for real. Like you know, I mean, and I actually know a guy uh, that we've worked with. I'm not going to say who who did um, MDMA therapy, like high dose MDMA and it really, it opened, it, he had a lot of trauma that he dealt with and he's in a much better place afterwards. So I think it, I, I mean, believe that very, I think if, if you're under supervision, I think all those social stigmas, those drugs are miracle drugs. I know ketamine, they just had an article in the times on how there's actually, uh, it helps people that have suffered from chronic depression for years. It helps them instantly. Like yeah. over the course, and they have these um, ketamine lozenges that you take, but, but the problem is, you know, you never know when those things are going to be abused. They deliver them home, you know what I mean? And, and it can cause a dissociative state and, you know, which sounds fun to me, but it can also be dangerous. Uh, But there's a lot of stuff I hope that they utilize more. If it's LSD, if it's ketamine, if it's psilocybin, I don't know. My friend does the micro dosing with the shrooms, but that seems like a micro dosing. It seems like a waste of time. Yeah, it's it's like if you're gonna do it, do it. You know, like what, why, why you kind of shrew yeah, out and just turn into a freaking yeah. lump of fecal matter. It's, 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 it's like half-assing something. It's not lazy. It's just like I'm gonna just I'm gonna do a frugal and prudent. Maybe you and I are being ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Maybe. watching. Uh, I don't know if you get Hulu in in Ireland because I know you guys are drinking but you don't watch any television. But my friend uh, Danny Strong, who's a d- delightful guy, he um he wrote a, a show called Dope Sick. With Michael Keaton, who I have to say is a phenomenal actor. He's a great one of the more actor. underrated actors there is, I have to say. I think yeah, he's he's, he's yeah. so you button that shirt up, John. I don't want to see your chest hair. It's distracting. Oh, hello. Oh. Look at that hairy Jew. <laughs> a nipple. Yeah. I got a nipple. <laughs> uh, that's for you, Raylan. There you go. God, I'm getting worked up. I got to go to an AA meeting. Dope Sick is about, it's based on the book, the nonfiction book, obviously, about the Oxycontin, uh, the opioid crisis, but it's done so well. And Michael Keaton plays a doctor who got hooked on it, who, you know, because of, again, back injury or, or pain. I don't know if it was a back injury specifically, but that shit is so addictive. It's terrifying how much legal drugs, you know what I mean? And big pharma, the nefarious big pharma. It's dark, but the acting is phenomenal. Go, I say even, you know, I don't want to tell you to pirate it or download it, but your Europeans love doing that shit and watching shit. I, I, I'll, I'll check it out. It's funny, like, uh, I, there's somebody I'm close to who I think is still an addict, like, you know, just all about Oxycontin. And it's, it's one point he insisted that I try a little bit. And I'm like, I'll try a quarter of one. And I took a quarter of it. For recreational and I was so, purposes? Just to try it. Yeah, to see what oh. he was all about. And it was so overwhelming. And like, it, was, it wasn't even pleasant. It was, I felt like I was going to vomit. It was, that's just a quarter of it. It's a very super potent. It's, I don't, I can't believe they actually prescribe it. It's like, it was I unbelievable. Know, sometimes I, I think not to push you to try more. I'm not here to push drugs, but I think sometimes I did that with, I'm not, I'm not a pill person. I don't even like taking Advil for headaches. Yeah. I took a Xanax and I was so scared of taking it that I took a quarter. And when you take, when you don't take enough, you don't get the benefits. You just get the side effects. So I yeah. got tired, but I wasn't relaxed. So maybe that's what happened to you with Oxy. You got the oh. nausea, but you didn't get the euphoria. I don't want you to do it. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I mean, so when I was like 25, I, um, you know, I, I, I basically have had OCD since I was 13 and I was put on um, anti-anxiety pills like Klonopin and, you know, like they're all the same, they're, they're benzos and no one ever took me off of them. And so for like 10, 15 years, I was on these drugs, not knowing how addictive they were. And I decided, you know, that I was, this was, I needed to come off of this stuff. 
And that was one of the hardest six months of my entire life. Like it was, you came I, like unsupervised without the help well, position. I, I, I weaned off of a year. It was basically over the course of a year, I went down to like, like just reading about, yeah. And it was like for a week after, you know, I couldn't leave my apartment. I, I oh, couldn't, wow. I didn't sleep for three days. Like I thought I was mentally weak for like six months, cold sweats. Like, so I'm putting it out there. Do not do that drug. Like I learned after the fact, after three weeks, you're, you're physically addicted to it. And look, looking at, you know, and reading about it, it's more addictive apparently than heroin. So like, do not like it's, and it's so prescribed in America. Where it's not, diazepines are different than the opioids. Yeah. It's a different family. Yeah. It's yeah. Same family? It's a, no, it's, 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 it's a different family. So uh, the opioids, you know, basically uh, um, are like uh, uh, narcotics, like, you know, heroin. Right. Uh, the benzos are, they basically work on GABA, which is the same thing that alcohol works on the same neurotransmitter, but they're anti-anxiety drugs. And they're really prescribed in America, like just like like they're nothing, and like and they don't exist out here. You can't get them out here, mm. and for good reason because they're they're insanely addictive, and it's a real problem in America. And I don't think people should ever take them or be prescribed them. That's my story. Well, how did you deal with your OCD once you were off the meds? CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. I know CBT. Um, I know CBT, DBT, yeah. EMDR. I know all that shit. Oh, that's a good band. <laughs> REM, uh, ELO, PC. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. CBT and uh, um, and also like you know uh, uh, medication that is like not benzo like um, you know Zoloft like antidepressants work for anxiety as well. Antidepressant. I well, I have been since yes, I've been my most of my life. Yeah, most of your life. Are you afraid that if you go off it, you're going to relapse or rebound? I did. I, I, I the reason I went off of it for uh, the urging of a, of a loved one, and I went off it very slowly over the course of a year, and went into a really really deep depression. Like. Oh, wow horrible depression yeah and so i was like i'm going right back on like it was not pleasant and how long did it take for you to kick for it to kick in again it's about a month month and a half hanging on for dear life on a, a friend's couch for a month couldn't get you know oh, wow. like you know unable to get off the couch and antidepressants if she's if she's from northern ireland i'm sure she's like oh you americans man up you guys just take antidepressants what the fuck's your problem is she like that yeah, well, I told like I, I told her like I'm just going right back. I, it's like I'm I can't live like this. So that's just it is what it's going to be. Okay. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's definitely lack of stigma in America and a stigma in the rest of the world against America's obsession with antidepressants and therapy. Is it's as if as if we don't like suffering, which I think is partially true. But I also think that certain people do have a chemical imbalance and suffer. And it's like, well, what's the point of suffering if you've tried everything else? then, hmm. you know, you don't want to lead your life like that. And so, okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, I mean, the therapy thing is, is cut, at least in Ireland, it's it's okay now. I, I know that in the 80s, 90s, it was kind of, a, there was a stigma to it, but uh, the, I think the, the American um, medication thing is a, is a problem. Like, you know, for example, I have a, a family member who was diagnosed with ADHD at 13, and that it just, that doesn't exist out here either. Like, there's no such, it says you have a high energy child. And I think he, suffered from all the medication he was given as a kid and really kind of uh, did a number on him. So there's certain things I think America, we the Americans have a real problem with prescribing, you know, nonsense because so. of pharmaceutical I think companies. We also have, uh, you know, I think we also, look, I've always feel like Europeans, I get it. You guys got culture and history and some cool buildings and shit, but there is this kind of condescension <laughs> towards America that I that gets on my nerves because and it's been like that all over the world. They try and emulate America in a lot of ways, but then they mock America and they think they're stronger, tougher. Americans are soft and, you know, and they over-medicate and they over-diagnose and they over-prescribe, which again, I'm not saying there's no truth to that, but it gets old. Cause I think that, you know, European society is broken in a lot of ways too. And it's classist and it's, 
Of course. I mean? And there's a lot of shit there that I don't go over and talk shit in front of, you know. Well, I do actually, so that's not accurate. But I do think there is a, a even they said that in Dope Sick, there's a, a, a Richard Sackler tries to get uh, OxyContin legalized in Germany. And, and they're like, nope. There, where his employee, one of the executives says, the Germans don't. They see suffering as part of life. Now, Germans are a bad example for that, but they see suffering as a part of life. <laughs> um, you know, they're not as, 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 as anxious about oblivious, you know, um, not obliterating suffering. You know what I mean? Um, so mm -hmm. it's a tricky question. I mean, how do you power through? And some people don't have the resources to power through. But when you think the medication is going to be that Band-Aid, it's your option than doing therapy five times a week or really dealing with your shit. Yeah, agree. You know, I don't know. I'm happy you're happy. I'm, ha I'm happy that you're happy that I'm happy. Thank you. Oh, yeah, I'm you happy. I'm happy. Again? happy. You're happy. That's where my happiness ends. There's the chest here again. Here. That makes me happy. Do that. You look like, what's that poster behind you? Jimmy Vistwood. What is that? What? what, what, what? No, that's a, that's, a, that's, a movie, that's a movie I directed uh, that came out about seven years ago with a comic named Maz Trebrani. Do, do, do you know Maz, Maz Trebrani? Yeah, he's, he's Maz is Persian, amazing. Right? He's a Persian dude. He's Persian. Yeah, so this is like the Persian Pink Panther. He's very funny and a very, very good guy. Very nice guy. Yeah, he's a mensch too. Even though he's not Jewish, yeah. he can still be a mensch, right? Yeah, he's a man. He's, he's definitely is a mensch. Persian Jews. When I was in LA, it was like he's wall, not... wall Persian Jews. Literally wall. His, his writing partner, Amir, is a Persian Jew. Uh, Maz is, is Muslim. Muslim. Well, that's nice. They're bringing mm -hmm. peace one, one comedy at a time. Were your movies yeah. uh, box office successes and or critically acclaimed? Critically acclaimed this one. Uh, okay. This is like 80, 80 some percent around tomatoes, but no. you know, it's the independent film. Nobody sees it. So, I mean, it did, did well because Maz was getting every Persian in the world in America to go see it. I think, so I think it made its money back when it came out in theaters. Um, Hebrew Hammer is, you know, it's still kind of like, you know, every year during Hanukkah time, Christmas time, it's talked about. It's been like, uh, chosen by like the New York Times as one of the best holiday films of all time and Vanity Fair and Time oh, Magazine. Wow. So it's critically acclaimed, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, yeah. But, and I don't know if you can answer this question, but let's say you have a successful movie, but yeah. how do, do offers fly in afterwards? I mean, now I guess my question, I guess it's even harder now because now there's so many streamers and platforms that even if you have a movie that does well on Netflix, doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get another directing gig. Right. Because there's yeah. a lot of movies that do well on Netflix. Yeah. And, you know, it used to be box office. Like when Hebrew Hammer came out, uh, there was, you know, it was it was like the sort of the, the hot comedy at Sundance. But the producers decided to show it to buyers before Sundance. And the buyers at the time were older white men and who were very scared of the movie. They thought, you know, mm. and so they, they passed and then Comedy Central picked it up. But then their deal was to put it on TV before it came out in theaters for like six or seven screenings. So it was seen by a lot of people on TV. No, we had no marketing budget. So nobody knew it was in theaters. It was like an eight screens in America. And uh, so the box office was low. And so for a while I was just a writer because you know people liked the movie, but it was not a financial success. And so then it kind of became a culty thing. And yeah, there you go. Okay. Well it's still a nice calling card to have, right? No, it's like honestly it's it's ultimately it's about, you know, people like I still deal with Hebrew Hammer. 20 years later, people like on a weekly basis, people like tell me they love it or like, you know, like what, what, why else do we do this? It's like, you know, I, I, you know, you make something that people like really connect with and respond to and still, it's still around 20 years later. Like that's yeah, more. also a catchy title. If you just called it the Jewish detective, I don't know if that would have been as, you know, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
that was my first <laughs> that was my first choice and then someone's like no 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 it needs to be an alliteration i'm like okay. good old jewish Abraham. detective with adam goldberg detective I, yeah. I gotta say i am um, i love jews I, I don't think i think if there was why why do you love jews like, I, I, I know a lot of cool ones and i feel like you are you're not seen as a repressed minority but you still get fucked over and that's a problem so i feel bad for you yeah adam goldberg i feel like he is the epitome of the the sexy intellectual Jew in terms of just his yeah. physical appearance, maybe because he's taller than most Jews, right? He's kind of tall. Uh, he's, we're about the same height, actually. Not that oh, tall. He's very, very, he's 5'8". He, he's very in shape. I'm only 5'8". He's, he's very, he's, he, unlike me, he's, um, doesn't have a lot of fat on his bones. You know. not fat. You're, 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 you're not fat. You're not even doughy, Jonathan. I think you have like a, you have a, a robust build. Oh, I like that. Yes. You're not a robust build. You know, you're not fat. I'm robust. Yeah, I'm not fat. I'm robust. I'm you're, you're right. I'm... No, 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 you're not. But I don't know why I thought Adam was like 6'4". Maybe I'm thinking of Jeff Goldblum. Maybe I'm confusing. Maybe I'm confusing. The, the Jews. So they look nothing alike. You just directed a, a pilot that you wrote. Yeah, I co-wrote it with a, a partner of mine named Rob Kuttner, who I think you've interviewed before. I have show. interviewed Rob. I have. I have. Yeah, I have Rob. He was a yeah. writer on the, the Daily Show, right? Daily Show and Conan. Oh, yeah, really. He, yeah. Yeah, he's won five Emmys. He's won five more Emmys than I've won. Five Emmys? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, though, like, I think it's cheating because he's part of a writing staff. So it's like, you know, I mean, did you really? Yeah, divide it by 10. There's 10 writers in that room. It's really, he's only won won a half an Emmy, if you think about it. I haven't won an eighth of an Emmy. I haven't won a foot of an Emmy. Yeah, I haven't won Um, shit. I really Um, feel like those awards are a mind fuck because, hey, yeah, it's nice to get the validation and go down in some sort of history, but it's like you can... You win one, and then if you win another, it's not the same thrill as winning the first. And then yeah. if you don't win anymore after that, you are just depressed because you're like, I guess I peaked. If, yeah. so if you well, put a lot of value on these awards is what I'm saying. Well, the thing is, it's, 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 fun, it's funny is that, like, you know, I mean, Rob's a brilliant writer, and, like, I, I love working with Rob. But it's also very easy for me to, you know, I'm, I'm out there getting this work all the time, and so it's easy to miss sell Rob. You know, like, he's won five Emmys, and it's, like, it's a great sort oh, of, like, yeah, you know. that's true. And it's, yeah, it's going to be it, an Emmy for, like, best mini documentary reality baking show writing gaff team and that's nobody right. then when it's and it's also great because you're having a, you know having a creative discussion with somebody who maybe isn't you know on the right side of things and you know it's like but rob's got five emmys so maybe we should stop talking now because he's right <laughs> oh man god damn it. yeah so um, i i wrote it with rob and i wrote it with the guy who actually financed it and derek Finchie, who's this really great guy who um is a business guy in cork is very funny and yeah, we shot it in I'm Cork in Ireland, and we're I'm getting close to locking picture on it, which is the you know when you basically move on to finishing the pilot, and it's really good. I'm really proud of it. And you edit? <laughs> I ha- I am now. Yeah, since um since the first lockdown, I needed something to get myself into. So I uh, and I for 20 years I've been telling editors where to how to cut, and I yeah, used to cut in film great. school. I, I always feel like yeah. I've edited my own videos sometimes, and I everyone's like you need to step away. I'm like no, I'm not making an epic about no. Abraham Lincoln. I can edit my own shit. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I mean, honestly, it was just, I, I bought all the gear and it was just, you just had to get good. You have to basically be all in and be cutting every day. And so like, and, and it's, I love it. Like uh, it's, it's actually kind of made me read love filmmaking again, because it's just something I'm obsessed with. And like, um, cool. yeah. And you know, I, and I used to, when I, when I was in film school, I used to, I felt that way. Like I couldn't edit my own stuff because I couldn't see the force from the trees. Now I don't, I don't give a shit. I just want it to be good. So yeah. if there's no, that makes it better. Let's do You're that. Okay yeah. Killing your baby. yeah. I have no problem. There's okay. just a baby. Yeah. They're not full-grown adults. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a bore. Yeah. There's cute ages. Then there's a whole 20 years when they're not cute. And then when you get old and you need yeah. them, they're cute again. But there's a whole yeah. chunk in there that's, are you one and done? 
One and done. I am one and done. Yeah. My, although my son keeps saying, Daddy, I want a brother and a sister. And get uh -huh. him a hamster. Yeah, yeah. good. Get him a That's robot. great. You should go. Japanese make the siblings, you know, they'll make some sort of robot sibling or something. Yeah. Here's YouTube. Go sit down and this is like your brother YouTube. Just sit, go, go watch YouTube. You yeah. And not fight with yeah. your toys or kick you in the nuts. Is your son yeah. circumcised? He is not circumcised. Uh, thank you for asking. That's such a that's well, such a really saying, great question. You, said you married an Irish woman, moved back to Ireland. I'm like, nope, the kid's not circumcised. Because no, the kid's not circumcised. circumcised, right? No, and in fact, like for the Irish, you it's like your it's back on. Yeah, well, you know what? I I did. How did you? Oh, you reapplied it. I know there's some procedures, man. Yeah. I, I interviewed a plastic no, no. surgeon who does vaginal rejuvenation. Okay. What is that? What is that? When women want to re-sculpt their vaginas on the inside uh, because of they had too many babies or they're stretched out. My friend has a woman, a girlfriend who's in her 60s. She had vaginal rejuvenation. He said it's like sleeping with a 15-year-old, which is creepy in its own right, but also understandable. Well, that, but that sounds like it's probably painful. It's, no? I don't know. For everybody. Is, um, heat and lasers. And they oh, literally re-sculpt the inside of the hoo-ha. So I'm just saying... Cool. Foreskin application seems like easy breezy compared to that. Shit. Yeah, it's super glue and some time, time and a little pressure. Glue. That's the name of my new memoir, Time and Super Glue. <laughs> uh, I like it. That's good. I read that. I'm excited. I have my first show in Tel Aviv tomorrow. By the time it airs, it will be yesterday. Um, but I'm excited. I'm doing it at this uh, jazz venue. I, I love jazz. People don't know that about me. Um, but I do love jazz. And so when I was doing my variety hour in New York every month, I would always feature a jazz musician. So we'd have comedy and then jazz and an interview. But now I don't, uh, I'm not doing the interview. I'm just doing the jazz. And we'll see how the Israeli crowd responds to me because they have their own opinions. Are, are you doing stand-up? Are you doing, are you doing no, a I'm podcast? Just gonna, I'm just going to do some crowd work. I like doing crowd work. Okay. I'm just kind of shooting the shit with the audience, making fun of them because all Israelis are bald. I don't know if you know this. But literally, ninety-five percent of Israeli men shave their heads because they're they're they they're balding. Like literally, you come here, it's like a bunch of billiard balls, Zionist billiard balls running around. I did not know that. Why, why is I don't that know exactly? What it is. It's stress or it's genetics, but it's a thing. It's a thing. Um, I need a man with hair. I need to run my. You look at me. I'm a hair person. Okay. You're lucky. You definitely are a hair person. So I need to. You look hair. like you could be in an '80s hair metal band. Like you look like you could be a member of Poison or Warrant or Rat or Twisted Sister. I saw a picture of a uh, John Bon Jovi. He's he's opened a restaurant that makes food for the for homeless people or community members. Like it's a whole restaurant in Israel. No, 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 in Jersey, I guess. Where the fuck he lives. <laughs> but the point is, he's got such a concern. I miss his like mullety haircut. He's just got a, got a very conservative, run of the mill haircut now. As a, as a grown man. Like maybe he can't, maybe he can't, he, he, he can't actually do the long hair thing anymore. That's sad because he had great hair. No, he has he a wonderful hair. He's got a full head of hair. He's got hair. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He just, he's looks, he's sexy. Some people just age well. They just age well. You look at him, he aged well. You look at uh, Richard Gere's aged well. Yeah. Uh, Clooney, I can tell who was a boozer. They don't age as well. They get the red skin in there. I'm trying to think of the, when their skin sags. I don't know. Let me think about it. But I can always. Someone's had a colorful past. As they age, they end up getting a little droopy. You know, I'm getting droopy. What are you going to do? As, let me look at me. There's a droop. Hello, droop. Hmm. I don't see any droop. No, there's no droop there. But I am drooping. That's all right. I mean, we're all going to die. I know we keep denying it, but it's going to happen. No. It's going to happen sooner than later. You know what I mean? You're aging well, too. How old are you? Thank you. Uh, I'm 47. I just turned 47. 47, Mazel Tov. 
Um, Thank you. Oh, you look, you're very youthful, 47. Thank you very much. You Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And it's good to be doughy because then you don't get as many wrinkles. Also, it's like winter weight. You know what I mean? Like it, you're less cold in the winter. And I think that's yeah, important. I think cold coating and you don't women, especially the women that are plumper, their skin is plumper. And I mean, their face is plumper and they don't, you don't see as many wrinkles. So I see everybody yeah. fatten yourselves up, eat that foie gras. You know what I mean? Stuff your cheeks with, with cheese whiz and, um, and get on it. You know, nobody needs Botox and facelifts. Just get fat. Um, <laughs> Uh, are you yeah. reading any good books now? Do you have time to read? No, since I had my son, reading has become like a, I used to read everything and now I just read my phone. Set an which example is... for you to shove him books to read and you're like, I'm yeah, no, like books. here's a screen. Yeah, here's a screen. I'll look at, read my screen. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty shitty parent. Video yeah. shining lights. Uh, <laughs> 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 I want to see Dune so bad. I really have no desire to see Dune. It just seems like a movie of like really very serious looks a lot and of gravitas a lot of gravitas and sand and worms and put your hand in a box well, put your hand dune. in this box it's all dune, my yeah. you're not a yeah. sand guy no i'm not a sand guy i'm not a spice guy with the blue eyes and the little the, like the little rings in the nose like I, I just it's not my it's not my jam all right yeah do you like squid game you know what yes and no i watched all of it but did i like it it was the hype around that thing is crazy because it's not a great show it's okay um and that concept's been done it's okay it's um really really fucking violent yeah um yeah i found that i like it to be cartoonish that's maybe how i dealt with it it just felt yeah. cartoonish already like they're falling through their bloody their heads because i wasn't attached to anybody because you know they're all gonna zip away and die um there wasn't that much hype. like yeah. i watched it i didn't know there was hype around it i just liked the pink the fuchsia outfits it was eye-catchy black mirror always had that got tiresome too every episode of black mirror had someone had a sticker on their forehead or or a brain well, activation they, like they, it was the same you thing. know what it was it, it was amazing it was amazing but i think they ran out of ideas like out i of think ideas. they only had a couple yeah. Yeah. yeah you know i think the most brilliant ones like the twilight zones you know the classic twilight zones i love all that kind of dystopian not even dystopian but just alternate reality and you know mind reading and all that shit yeah but now it's uh it's getting old i mean yeah they don't know what to do anymore they've tried to take it darker they try to take it more complex you know but well yeah like i, I honestly like i think the twilight zone was just, just a uh, more fertile kind of open field because it could be any kind of idea to explore where it, when you make it just technology there's only so many you know yeah. dark paths you can go down where it's like and it becomes the same thing over and over again and yeah i i, yeah. I agree but it was when it was good it was really good i mean no, it was I think you're right well squid game again i thought what I thought was more interesting about it was the social commentary, right? I mean, the game. But it was were, very. That was very thin. It was very it was thin. thin. Like, and everyone right. talked about That's that. What I'm the saying, super though. thin. It was interesting at first. Like, a the fact that everybody came back. That was an interesting yeah. turn of events, right? And the guy was very likable. And but it's really about the relationships. It's not about the games. And the thing that drove me fucking crazy though were the um the white dudes, the rich white. Oh dudes. yeah, so the so acting was bad. so bad. Yeah, they're in Korea, and it's like, it's, okay, here's a funny story. So when I was doing the show called Gander a couple of years ago, I had to cast some Black people, and it was really hard to find good Black actors in Ireland, because there's not a lot of Black people right. here. I'm sure it's the same thing in South Korea. It was like, oh, we need to get some white guys. So just, there's white actors everywhere. And it was like, nope, these are the four actors, and they're all kind of mediocre. Well, terrible. it's not only that, though. I think some of their accents, I don't know if they were all American or whatever, but some of them were over the top, and I think the characters were written. It was the one thing that felt, like, unbelievable to me. Like it was yeah. like a sketch. Everything else, the acting was very realistic. Even that crazy. Well, movie. except it, 
Except that the, that 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 the, the the lead, the first couple episodes, he's like it was so way over the it was too big, yeah, and then well, when he, when things got real, cultural, he got. Though. I think their yeah. expressiveness, you know, culturally, I think they they can be over the top too. So, and again, yeah. I don't want to say enough. that I don't know culture, but I wouldn't blame it on bad acting. I think it's also a, expressivity that you know that. that comes or like a, like or, or maybe that's the style of acting. Like you look at Bollywood films, it's you know it's not my taste, but it's like right. that's what. Well, it's interesting because yeah. I think that director, didn't he train in the U.S. or something? Or didn't he make American films first? Or I don't know about it. I thought he did, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, I don't know. I'm going to be going to Vancouver. I'm performing in Vancouver over really? Thanksgiving. Cool. Um, the Chutzpah Festival. I'm hosting this, this whole festival. I'm interviewing all the artists. So if you find yourself in Vancouver, November 18th through the 25th, I will be there. You never know. Jonathan, I gotta. I'm gonna go and proceed to make myself some lunch. I my stomach is making. Can you hear the sounds my stomach is making? I can. I thought you had some sort of gastrointestinal issue, but it's just you're I hungry. Do, I didn't that's, realize that's neither here nor there. Um, it's always weird when your stomach growls physically. It's like, what other body? I guess body parts make sounds like talk to you when they're in pain, like a knee will creak or, you know, mm. certain joints. But the stomach really is a very rude. Yeah, you know, motherfucker, like just growling. It's like, just give me a brain signal that doesn't involve a growl. <laughs> you know, like, can't you send a signal that my brain will be like, you are hungry? But it's like, and forget it, forget the flatulence. Like, the whole GI system is needs to be, you know, temporary. redone. No, they, 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 they need to do a rethink, a, uh, like a second version of it. Yeah. Put it on mute, man. I want to mute that shit. <laughs> and you know, you can't hold in farts for too long. You're going to implode. Like, no. you got to yeah. let it out. But the growling and the weird juice, the gastric juices, it's like, what the fuck, man? It's not right. It's not right. I agree. I'm with um, you. We're on the same page here. Good. So I'm going to go feed the beast. Uh, feed it. Take it down a notch. I don't know what I'm going to eat. All I have is yogurt in the fridge. That's it, yogurt. I just have a lot of yogurt. You're, you're a fan of yogurt. Oh, no, it's just because I'm too late to go buy anything else, and it lasts <laughs> yeah. forever. It just lasts, man. It's yogurt. It's already rotten. Um, Yo play. What are you uh what do you cook at home? You guys make a lot of really bad Irish food? No, no, I love to cook. I'm a good cook. Uh I make everything and anything. Yeah. So it just depends on uh yeah, there's nothing I won't try. No, oh, I love it. Well, I hope to see you soon, Jonathan Kesselman. It was delightful talking to you. Same here. And, uh, and uh have a great have a great have a great show in uh at the jazz club and have a great show in Vancouver. And what's the pilot and, uh, called so I can look out for? What's the show called? It's called Compound Fractures, and it's a that's a pilot about a family that form a cult. Ooh, I like cults. Okay, I'm yeah. definitely going to check that yeah. out. Um, all right. Thank you, Jonathan Kesselman. Everybody, please, uh, you know, uh, share www.xraepod.com, the X-Ray Podcast, wherever you get your pottery. Check out Jonathan Kesselman's website, theworldwidemediaconspiracy.com, and all his new shit and old shit and, and Hebrew Hammer, if you haven't seen it yet, and Stalk Adam Goldberg and all that stuff, and uncircumcise your your offspring uh you know keep that foreskin just in case uh i love you all this is raylan casper white signing off